0: Welcome to the first episode of What Are You Laughing At? The comedy podcast presented by comedy writer and performer Dave Cohen. Unfortunately, there are some audio problems toward the end of this first episode. Hopefully it won't spoil your enjoyment of the show.
1: first podcast from the British Comedy Guide. We'll be looking at the news, reviews and everything that happens over the next uh, couple of weeks and things that have been and gone and um, with me to talk about these, first of all uh, we have one of my regular co-hosts, a great stand-up comedian, Uh, he's done hundreds of gigs and he's also, thanks to him recently we got uh, a bank holiday because he actually Got married, uh, and some <laughs> other people got married roughly the same time, but uh, he was the man responsible for us getting that bank holiday. It's Tony Cowards. Hello. How, how did your wedding you It was, know, it was very holiday? good, actually. Yeah. 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 Good. Was yeah. it quite the same sort of spectacle as the other one? I'm yeah. not quite sure we had quite as many people. Right? Two billion watching, or? Probably slightly less. Yeah. That. yeah, that was a made up That's figure true. anyway. <laughs> so. And we also have a special guest joining us now as uh, a legendary uh, agent, uh, one of the first agents really to get involved in the uh, British comedy scene uh, when it started up all those years ago. She's represented m- millions of comics, I would say, zillions, uh, Rory Bremner, Joe Brand, Rufus Hound, Ricky Grover, Susan Kalman, and many, many others, and uh, we're very pleased to be uh, talking from her office today, and it's Vivian Claw. Hello. Hello, Vivian. How are you? I'm
2: fine. You're only bigging me up because I'm a Jew.
1: We're a bit overrepresented today, aren't we? Um, also with us today is uh, the man they call Mr. BCG. He is Aaron Brown, uh, mostly silent. Uh, he will be sitting uh, in the corner recording us. But I think if we say anything that's out of line with uh, British Comedy Guide guidelines, I think he will be uh, onto us. So we're all sitting uh, around a microphone, quivering, quivering, yeah. waiting for pronouncement. For the moment, he is sitting there silently. So um, we'll start off with um, comedy news. Uh, now, first off, the uh, Alan Partridge uh, webcam show is to go to TV. Anyone seen that? Yeah, I watched that. Yeah, very good. Yeah, have you enjoy that? I enjoyed it a lot. It? We like that. We all like that. We That's like good. That. That's a thumbs yeah. up. Well done, baby cat. Very good. Well done, baby cat. Yeah. The BBC have announced, uh, or they haven't announced, but it, it's seems likely that uh, they're going to be dropping their comedy and drama from uh, BBC4. We all know BBC are having to make huge cuts. Not sure if this is going to be a good thing or bad thing. It sort of depends if uh, if those slots are lost, does the comedy money get lost too? Uh, Vivian, you've been involved in the BAFTA winning um, Getting On. Yes, and, okay. um, Representing Joe Brand, of course, um, and so you've had um, and the production company, uh, yes, of course. So you've obviously had a lot of dealings with BBC Four and commissioning editors,
2: and uh, I know there was a, it, it sort
1: of took took a while, didn't it, before they. Uh,
2: it was fairly torturous, and it did look at one point as if it wasn't going to get commissioned because um, you kind of assume after a while when something has had a degree of success that it will go on to BBC Two get a wider audience. Uh, BBC Two don't have any slots for new comedy; they've used up their allocation for the forthcoming year, and BBC Four weren't quite sure whether they wanted another series, where it was going to go, what they could do with it—all the normal questions that commissioning editors still they have to ask to justify it. It, At one point, it looked like it wasn't going to happen, and we just thought, well, fine. Jones got so many other projects on the go that to disregard an award-winning series that um, covers subjects that other comedies don't cover that has three not young women as the leads um, ticks a lot of boxes. If BBC feel that they don't want to do a series, then fine. Good. But
1: it is now going ahead. It's now going. Ahead. Yeah. Um, on BBC Four. On BBC Four, yes. But just just wondering though, then all these shows and most of the shows that are on BBC Four, the comedies, um, let Balloon, Thick of It, Getting On. Um, Screen White, Mark Steele Lectures 2012. These are all shows that, that, that end up on BBC Two, don't yes. they? So um, does this mean that those shows will continue to be made by BBC Two? or
2: or well, Lead Balloon, there's a series going out at the moment now. Right, yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, BBC Two have got their allocation, which means that they're not really in a position to commission a lot of new programming. And their dilemma is, who's, what do they recommission. What do they take them for? And what what new stuff can they go for? And it, it's a problem for them.
1: Whichever way it goes, it looks like it's going to be bad news for comedy, doesn't it? Really, you
2: think? Well, I think comedy has changed on BBC, certainly, because each channel has its own remit. BBC Three has a new controller. He appears to want to take the target audience older, which is bizarre, because 16 to 24 year olds comedy on BBC Three seems to work. Um, new comedy now really has to go via radio, that's not a new thing, or via online.
1: So it's not looking great for comedy at the moment, is it? And, uh, and I did, there was a story a few weeks ago, wasn't there, that they're cutting 25% of the comedy budget, is that, uh, have you heard yeah. anything about that? Yeah, we are. Yeah. Yeah. Bit of a grim start to our podcast (laughs) then. BBC Four's getting rid of all its comedy; (laughs) it's all over, folks, and it's all going to BBC Two, which hasn't got the slots to take them anyway. So, uh, what's going to happen? What uh, um, have to do a lot
2: of tasting online?
1: Yes, so online comedy—it's the way forward, apparently. Milton Jones, who's uh, every comedian's favourite comedian, has been around far too long as uh, finally getting some recognition. Wow. And uh, mm-hmm. hooray, he's got a commission for Channel 4's comedy showcase called um, "At House of Rooms, it's a working title. Uh, objective production, of course, they make uh, Peep Show and uh, loads of other Phil oh, Clark. Yeah, yes, that's true. Phil Clark has been, uh, he's, he's, he's sort of off- he has been around, Phil Clark has been around almost a, as long as we have. Yes, have you? Sure. Um, and I was his agent. You were his agent, yes. was, <laughs> was that when he was in, <laughs> was he was, uh, in a double act with um, Simon Godley the dentist who we're hoping will be on uh, another podcast because yeah. his his movie with Ben Miller opens very soon. Um, I anyway. think um,
3: Dan Evans is in there, right? yes, yes that's, that's right, in, yes. Yes.
1: very funny. Yeah, mm. very funny stand up. And uh, another person who I'm surprised is not more successful, though they've been around a long time. Yeah. But um, it's
2: interesting with this pilot because Milton is playing a character as opposed to just doing a stream of one liners. That's right,
1: yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got a quote actually from Milton. He says, uh, it's, uh, it's about me with my mother in a big house with lots of tenants and me messing things up. There are jokes in it, but it is supposed to be character-driven. It says it's a non-audience sitcom, so the jokes will be in the edit. I'm not standing there doing gags, but it's definitely odd and surreal, and there will be some trademark stupidity. Um, that's uh, which we say, hurrah. Very daft and silly, to which, of course, we also say hurrah. Yeah. Slapstick? Probably, mm, it doesn't he's mention really, slapstick. He's not
3: really slapstick, though.
2: No, it's not really Michael of is he? Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. It's, uh, and it's non-audience as well, yeah. so slapstick usually works with an audience. It's, it's not no. So, other news: we've got uh, Edinburgh Best Newcomer uh, nominee Imran Yusuf has got a BBC Three pilot currently called the Imran Yusuf Show. That's being made by Brown Eyed Boy, the company that made Dan Clark's sitcom How Not to Live Your Life, one of my favourite sitcoms that criminally uh, not recommissioned. Um, I think that's just my opinion.
3: Can I, say, can I say something about Imran? Brilliant example of someone who's put a huge amount of effort into work and, and it's really paying off for him. Uh, going that's up to Edinburgh and did a did a free show that still managed to generate a huge amount of interest. If I'm but going it, to
2: sound really cynical, he does tick boxes as far as television he does, commissioning. Yeah. That's true.
3: Yeah. Yeah. But he has got a huge amount of charisma.
1: Just to actually talk about the Edinburgh issue it's Edinburgh preview season at the moment and that seems to kind of get longer and have a, a wider next than, than ever this is a good time of year to catch uh, big stars trying out their new uh, Edinburgh shows or their autumn tours and uh, Omid Jalili's doing five nights at Soho Theatre on the 20th of June um, and I know S- uh, Sarah milliken has got a very big tour coming up in the autumn she's actually she seems to be doing a sort of tour um a pre-tour tour tour. she's actually (laughs) traveling all around the country in the next sort of month or or so just just to kind of warm up probably doing that sort of 30 40 gigs just to warm up for a tour which feels like uh i don't know what would you do if you lived in derby say and you wanted to see sarah do you want to would you go and see her mucking about and play a tenner or would you rather see her in a big theater and pay three times as much i don't know I, I think
2: know. you'd probably do both. I suppose do so, yeah. experiences.
3: Yes, that's true, that's true. I think with Sarah anyway, she's, I think she did lots and lots of previews before her show last year, mm-hmm. which is yeah. why her show was so, so brilliant. Yeah. She puts the work in, so depends if you're going to see one of her first previews, is obviously going to be different to preview number 25.
1: True, that's, yeah. that's true. So, so going on to uh, talk about Edinburgh, Mentioned uh, Imran there, and the, and the free festival, which has been, uh, which in fact, I did the free festival last year, haven't did uh, three days. But I, I, I salute and applaud the free festival. I do think that, and well, in fact, the very first time I did Edinburgh was in nineteen eighty four, and the big news story that year was got too commercial, and I mean that's still every year somebody comes up and says, oh, it's the fringe has got too commercial. These bloody comedians, they come up from London, blah blah blah. Um, but actually, that's always been the way. But it's quite like the development of the free festival and the fact that Imran was, although he was on the free festival, he was nominated, wasn't he, for mm, it was it was Perrier good. Newcomer, uh, or whatever it's not called. Oops, so, it's a, a fizzy drink. <laughs> Some fizzy drink said that uh, he should be nominated to the scene. So that was good. But, I mean, uh, just telling just, I mean, you, what What's your Edinburgh experience?
3: Um, well, 2006, 2007, 2008, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. And as a performer, uh, it's brilliant for you just doing 21 shows in 21 days. So that's 21 hours of stage time, which takes probably three or four months to get normally. So, from that point of view, it was brilliant. But the three years I went up was basically diminishing returns each year, really what I was getting out of it. Um, and unless I think sometimes now, that unless you can throw a lot of money at it uh,
1: as a performer, certainly there's. There's limited things you can get out of it nowadays. Even if you throw a lot of money at it, yeah. still, you're still, you're basically losing that money, aren't you?
3: Yeah. yeah. We no one well on the performing side of it seems so to make any money. And also, my personal point of view is that very few people get discovered in Edinburgh nowadays. The people that are, that are in inverted commas discovered in Edinburgh already have a huge amount of buzz about them. The year before, generally, like Pappies when Pappies were big in Edinburgh Pappies Fun Club, they were already generating a lot of interest in London, in show.
2: If you mean by discovered, it's it's a truism to say that TV executives think new talent. It's actually talent that has been around for a few years and, and yeah. really established themselves on the circuit and really very very fine live performances, and suddenly a TV exec comes along and thinks, "Wow, this is going to be the new big thing. We've got new talent." Yeah. Um, I think Edinburgh is a trade fair. I think it's all about hype. I think it's about how it's marketed. Um, who you've got behind you? How much money you've thrown? Notion of it. So yeah. Why?
1: What? What is it then that, that draws so many comics back to Edinburgh, knowing all of this? What? what, what what's the? Uh, what was the? I, I don't
2: think they. I, I think years ago they used to go up every year because it was quite fun. But it's not fun anymore. You lose money. And I don't think that people will go that year after year after year.
3: No, I think there's more. Yeah, I think that's right. I think more people are deciding against it. Mm. it. From my point of view, it is still fun. I think although I haven't been up for the last two years, But I do think it is fun, and it's a it's a place where all the comedians get to, especially comedians at a certain level, You tend not to see the people at the same level. You like headliners, don't you? You get to work together, but obviously they bump into each other up in Edinburgh. And you can't walk down the street in Edinburgh without bumping into someone you know. So from
1: that point of view there is a lot of camaraderie and it's good fun we shall see we shall see what happens i think we'll be doing one of these podcasts from edinburgh all being well in uh, two or three months time so uh we shall look forward to that and we shall find out if any of our predictions are true that it's all hype or <laughs> if another new undiscovered genius is coming along It's new family sitcoms are coming up. We've got My Family coming back for the last series on the 17th of June, and there's a new family sitcom uh, called In With The Flims. And is it good family sitcoms, big ratings, they can build a schedule around it, aren't they? What's your feeling generally?
2: Everybody has a family, so I suppose they think that um, they're can related to it.
3: Uh, they're appealing to, to all the family to watch it, but they all seem to now have to feature a family within the sitcoms whereas when i was growing up the sitcoms i watched as a family with my mum and dad tended to be, uh, be anything like porridge and um, even uh, good life and none of those really featured a family so were they considered family sitcoms i don't know
2: and also families don't sit down together to watch
3: television no no you're not, not you're not. no no well, of of
2: don't they
1: i thought families sat down to watch um talent and that's yeah. yeah. I did some many years ago I was actually asked to write on my, my family and um, it's quite interesting I met people who uh, I, I wasn't expecting would say this but they said that oh, we like this show because it's the only it's the only show we can sit down and watch with our kids and I sort of was thinking about that and yeah, yeah you're, you're right I mean I mm. hadn't I hadn't done that with my family's so shows like dad's army that that's yeah. That's something, that, that's about writing, isn't it? That's about, well, is, is, is are they we saying, well, are we just saying there aren't as many good writers as there were? So the, the, the shows aren't quite as good, and there's more of a... a my family was the first uh, sitcom in this country to attempt a, a kind of, uh, sort of anglicised version mm-hmm. of the American uh, sitcom. There were five or six of us sitting around a room just... Uh, the, the scripts were all written by individuals, but then we sort of worked on the, from the second draft onwards on but, that. So what I don't
3: understand is why haven't we in Britain, produced something uh, like the American shows, which are family-orientated and feature a family, that are genuinely good coming shows like Roseanne, yeah. uh, which I think they're not just, they have broad appeal and they feature families and they're multi-generational
1: and this sort of thing,
3: but they're actually really good coming as well. That's right. Which I don't think is necessarily always the case in this country.
1: There's, there's something about the American system, though, that, that it's more of a it is more of an industry, isn't um, it? than over yeah. here in America, they have a very specific timetable. They've got that their whole industry is geared towards producing a certain number of sitcoms. You're mm. expected to produce twenty-four episodes <coughs> over a year. You've probably got fifteen, to, a group of fifteen to twenty writers, um, it, the, the, the industry is. It, it is an industry, so it's like there, there, there is a lot of research and development going on. Do you think there's, uh, do you think there's enough development going on? Vivian, in, in the UK. Uh, in the UK. Um,
2: no, I think situation comedy is slightly
1: better. Really. Mm. What audience comedy? Yeah. You?
2: Yeah. Mm. Well,
1: I think it's 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 trying. My feeling is it's trying to redefine itself in some ways. I think it's. Mm. Uh, I mean, shows like The It Crowd and Not Going Out and Miranda have, um, have proved that there is there is still some life in it, don't
0: you think? Something I've been noticing relatively recently um, is the uh, rise of the executive producer and how that differs between the UK and the US. In the US, uh, if you look at the producer and executive producer roles, you'll often find that... Um, at least one of them are also the uh co-creator mm-hmm. or co-writer and or co-star of the show, so you get a much clearer vision for the series running through, whereas here you seem to have a lot of very different names uh involved at every level, all sticking their awe in and having their own opinions
2: uh I don't think the executive producing. Uh, credits in the states are just how you start to deal because I've done deals for my clients. I think right, I think right. it is
1: true though that in America they're called the showrunner, the, show uh, the person who yeah. runs the show. And and for instance, on Seinfeld, Jerry uh, Seinfeld and Larry David were were pretty much what were the showrunners, show runners, uh, even though they weren't necessarily the executive producers on the show. In fact, Fred Barron was the first producer on Seinfeld. But Fred. Fred was an attempt in this country to to uh, adopt the American showrunner system, and my family was created by Fred, he was the showrunner, he was in charge, um, and the, I think the problem is that, that he had a success, he had a big success and then he had two or three shows that weren't quite so successful, and so it's, oh, it's back to the drawing board, rather than, rather than actually trying to create a whole system, which is, which is what I think Aaron would, would uh, was thinking about what certainly i would like to see more of where we have a culture of the, the writers uh and the performers have the vision and they they say this is the idea we want to create it and i think that's
0: yeah.
1: um you're you're right i think it is more uh it becomes more of a management question that's what gets made rather than a creative yeah. Well, I think
2: as a writer, you have to very early on in your career decide whether you want to write what's in your head or whether you want to write to grief, i.e., what the commission editors happen to be looking for at any given time, because they're they're very precise about their requirements, and it then the answer then on the writer to decide what sort of writer they really want to Do You want to write what you have always, always, always wanted to see on telly, because odds are it won't get on, or it won't for a long time, or do you
1: write according to the grief? Yep, yeah, that's true, or do you try and do both? I suppose, <laughs> and uh, constantly try putting ideas up that uh, are your own and, uh, and uh, see what happens. Um, only to find that uh, the commissioning editor has moved on two weeks after uh, they commissioned the yeah. idea, and then it doesn't goes. It, doesn't out.
3: it tend to happen though that most writers, when they're starting out, obviously write a lot to brief until so they obviously become in a reasonably powerful position, and then they can push through projects that they wanted to work on. And
2: they've got a little bit more influence. I think I think the interesting thing with writing, you normally have a bottom drawer full of scripts that have been turned down. But the minute you get a hit, you then can then just open up the yes. top drawer and
0: you mm. go, oh here's one and it's 12 and it open on. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I've I've heard anecdotal tales of that exact yeah. thing happening. Um uh, w- w- with the same commissioning yeah. editors who turned it down the year previously, but now loved it what else have
2: you got what can
1: we do yeah. I, think, yeah, I, I can sympathize with that because uh, uh you know when you're a commissioning editor you don't i mean nobody really knows what's going to work and what isn't going to work and, and if you are uh, a commissioning editor you can only really go on your own hunches and we all have our own hunches about what works and doesn't or you go on past successes and you know if if you've got in your in tray you've got a slots to fill, and you've, you've either got something by a new, untested but highly thought of writer and performer, or Ricky Chavay. You can only choose one of them. You're probably going to choose the Ricky Chavay one because he's got the track record. People are
2: scared to make a decision. It's all done by.
1: Yeah, and I think there's a different thing as well. You, you used to represent uh, Dave Allen, but I mean, he he used to talk about the commissioning process <laughs> of, of uh, you get a phone call from Bill the. He does yeah. another six shows. Though, uh, yeah. When do you want them? Oh, about uh, nine months time. Yeah. Okay. All right. We go off and write the shows and test them out and just do them. And of course, those. Uh, I mean, if we. Could, um, I mean, in the way it would be pretty awful if we if we had that situation now. But I mean, there is. A, it would be nice to to find a sort of some kind of happy middling compromise between
0: that and the kind of... It's, it's interesting because uh, we're in one breath uh, lamenting cuts to the BBC comedy department that inevitably mean the loss of jobs but uh, in another breath we're um, sort of talking about the, the good old days when there was just a couple of people in charge who had their clear vision and created these string of massively successful shows where so Bill wanted something. It happened.
1: You know, you, you want to find something that's a kind of happy medium between, on the one hand, two people deciding everything, and on the other, uh, you know, commiss- committees talking something out of existence, which, which, which can happen. Um, and I do, and I do think there is definitely uh, the, the introduction of layers of management that happened under. Yeah. John Burt at the BBC has definitely altered the way the BBC commissions things. And
0: so In that case, we've seen both extremes, so could we, or perhaps should we be seeing the cuts as way to, if not part of a rebalancing programme, to find the happy medium between the two?
1: Well, if the money goes into programme making, yes. But yes, is it? If. Will it? That <laughs> is the
0: question, of course.
1: Yes, we shall find out in the coming years. <laughs> And also, it's hopefully it's cutting the right bits,
3: isn't it? You cut the twenty-five percent of people who were really talented and doing really good things, then you leave the seventy-five your...
1: percent. I do remember when right. I started, I was writing on week ending, and there was this comedy corridor, and you walk sure. down the corridor, and at every door it said, well blah blah," producer, 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 and then over time, in the nineties, when I was doing other things, I was, I'd walk along a similar corridor, and it would say. Uh, Management executive accounts, management executive resources. resources, personnel. And it, does, it, has, it changed <laughs> that dramatically, really, over so, 10 years. So, yes, other new shows we've talked a lot about the BBC. Just to mention, Dave, uh, not me, uh, then, are making uh, new comedy. There's a, this new sketch show. It's a sort of, uh, five minute sketch show featuring Jim McIntosh, who is across of the office, and uh, also the uh, Toy Boys uh, sketches that are very popular on uh, on the internet. Uh, they're doing navel gazing and also Sky are making. do uh, yeah, they,
3: they think it to be a bad thing. It? more avenues.
1: Yeah. Is it? Are they? Uh, are they going to do? They're not going to do what they did last time, are they? Which is, say, oh, we're going to make lots of comedy, and then they they went to Avalon, made two Avalon comedies, and, thing, and the ITV did this as well. They said, oh. We're in for the long haul. to be fair to ITV they suddenly found they've lost enormous amount of money and they didn't have money to make mm-hmm. anything. Do you think Sky will, you know, if they don't have a hit within the first year will they
2: they have a completely different audience. So A they have to cater to that audience and B they have to educate the audience Um,
1: so we'll we'll go on now to we're going to talk about returning shows this is where we talk about those that have started up again and these are the opinions of those clever people who write into the british comedy guide forum with their comments so I shall mention uh, just a few. Lead Balloon 4, uh, Series 4, started out again. Very positively received. A comments that uh, the pig shit was over the top, but most extremely happy to see a new series. Gentle, someone George Captain said, gentle opening to the new series, almost as if we're being deliberately reintroduced to all the characters, maybe for the benefit of first-timers. Pick up two, he said, what's the first episode? And to be honest, I was happier than a pig in shit to have Lead Balloon back on telly. Consistently funny in a unique kind of way, and that's the appeal of sitcom. Me, the white band man notes about that. This has been received quite well. There's a new series coming up currently. Somebody's Mr. Crinkle said, Well, it's got Will Miller in it. I expect it to be two pints but there's more restrained, more comedy drama than straight up comedy. We'll definitely watch again. Alfred J. Kipper says, I'm interested to find out why the bee has sunk into this groove, stroke, what's that making. Combrans, I saw about half the series and didn't dislike it. NG Baby says, not laugh out loud, but some funny characters and new faces thought Will Willmella was good too. Psychoville has just come to an end on BBC Two. No clear consensus. Most found it to be a modelled series, weak to start with, but started to come together towards the end of episode four. Fairly consistent all-round praise for Great Shearsmith and Steve Pemberton and their Vision. Various comments, uh, endurable end to a lumpy and uneven series, says Chipolata. Ultimately, too many strands that seem to go nowhere. Less characters would have allowed him to concentrate on a more coherent and focused story. The interview with the first person I mean, I, when I was doing stand up in the early 80s, and it was still very much a kind of uh, bunch of people hanging out in rooms above pubs, and there was no comedy industry or something. You were the first person who seemed to kind of latch on that there was something going on out there. Could you sort of tell us a bit about your early days of um, of agenting?
2: Yeah, well, I started here, worked my, uh, my way up, because I, I started when I was 20. So I went out looking for the comedy. Group. Okay, very good.
1: And who was the first person that you personally signed up?
2: Um, Laura Bremner, right
1: oh, um, here. Right here. Yeah. Yeah. Yes.
2: Um and um, there were also a lot of um sketch combos double acts
1: and three mm-hmm. things which you didn't get so much in there are stand-up gigs there are sketch shows where i say saying yeah. a bit and of in like pop genres pop in yeah. 84 mm-hmm. you could see sketch shows uh variety singing spread. groups variety acts mm-hmm. and stand up. it's more mm-hmm. it's, 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 it's a, say that's true now tony they're so more yeah, of a, a, bit
0: of a the pappies and uh we are clang forays into television weren't entirely successful, so it's still legitimate to say that they're not quite as big names. not as, uh...
2: I think when it first started, the people weren't so desperate to get into television. It was more about honing their material, mm. more about um, doing longer acts and doing um, shows. And then people started thinking, well, if I've got 12 minutes, I can go on television. Yeah, and that's all they cared about, getting 12 minutes, and, and not actually working up new material or working up longer sets
1: because well, what i found quite interesting about your, when you set up your TV uh, company, uh, that people like Rory and Joe Brand, who you represented, were, um, and still represent, and, uh, you know, but, but they, they, they were both acts, I can think of, examples of people who could have gone either way. They could have, I could quite easily have imagined Rory going down a route that would have ended up within... Just having his own endless variety shows and, and uh, chat shows and, and just being a really, really big name. And, and similarly with, with Joe, but both of them, have, they they've, they've sort of seem to have gone down more far more interesting routes that aren't necessarily the most commercially. I was just thinking that think someone might, who's an it, agent... It's a of that... it, yeah. and,
2: and it's what ultimately you want to be. And both um, Rory and Joe, they're very different. Joe is now really coming into as a, as a writer. Uh, and she's doing, I mean, she's written several novels and she's writing a, a screenplay adaptation, of one of them at the moment, and is also um, writing co-writing two sitcoms, mm. apart from Getting On. Um, and Rory is, is kind of diversifying more into cultural, uh, not necessarily comedy. Uh,
1: is, is there the sort of agent gene that's part of you that's going, oh, go on, why don't you just go and do that ITV variety show
2: or whatever? Yeah. Because if it's not something that they feel comfortable doing, yeah, that's true. Fair
3: enough.
2: Um, I mean, I have, but, uh, I have, I have, I have other artists who are yeah. who are there for the personality of it. Okay, Rufus. Popular. Rufus has, This is that. four exclusive. Rufus was going to go out to for this year. He's not because he's going to be filming two movies. By the way,
1: is this a BCG exclusive? It is
2: an exclusive. It's out there now. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> out there. We, we we can edit it out if you let us know in
1: time.
0: <laughs> well, I haven't. Meant, I,
2: haven't I haven't said what they yeah. are.
1: There's a little boy outside uh, the okay. Covent Garden. I haven't said
2: all that about
1: it. So the first question that I always get asked by new writers and new performers the question is, um, "How do I get an agent?" And uh, the answer I tend to give is, "Well, you know, you have to be out there first and doing stuff before an agent comes along." But I mean, what what sort of advice would you give to new uh, new writers and new performers, people starting out? New writers, it's
2: much harder because was um, agents really would want to see material and read it, and then they pretend they've read it, and it's just been on the desk. And
1: then rather than actually reading it, they just going and to people. When you say agents? You're talking in the third person now, or the first? person? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I,
2: said, I always reply. People are always amazed that I actually reply to people. <laughs> so apparently, people don't. <laughs> I think. Well, you know why? Um, but no, I think it's harder for writers because it's as we said before. It's whether you write what's in your head and what you really, really write, and whether you're writing. And I can read a script and go, yeah, that's that's good. They can write, but it's not going to get permission. So, you know, what else have they got? And it's a very, very, much longer process for a writer. a performer, it really depends. If you're like 20 or 30 other performers out there, you're going to find it in So what would you say
1: to those performers um, then?
2: I should say they should um, have an accent, cut their own off, have some sort of disability, and...
1: <laughs> so there we go uh these are the views of the vision core by the way and not the views of bcg <laughs> kids don't go about doing doing that don't go chopping off at least unless you've been supervised by an adult okay um but yeah yes i mean it is true it is that um you do need to have a kind of a, a, a bit of a, a bit of a unique take with me 20 hours, the, the pun meister general i would say really if the stand up for uh, well, yeah, yeah, that's interesting. to yeah. I mean, Tim Vine. Tim, Tim Vine. is right? another stratosphere. Though. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, but... Uh, <laughs> sorry, I didn't mean to be damning there, but it's like, so, if you want to book Tim Vine, if there's any close out there, you can't afford, <laughs> him, can't afford him. <laughs> Okay. I've seen him live as well. got the yeah. Yeah. Bristol accent. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah,
3: I've
0: got
1: a bit of a west country bear eh? yeah. now.
3: So,
2: yeah,
1: I'll be working on that. i will um, just got uh, a quick question to you about um, running your own TV company. As well as being an agent, well, we keep separate oh.
2: offices, and um, I don't insist that when my client gets, if a client gets a TV deal, it has to be done by my production company so, um, so it, it's run completely separately. But obviously, I'm on the end of the phone. I'm, I'm, I'm there. But also, I wonder if you find the time to do all this, and because
1: uh, uh, I'm, I'm occasional user of Twitter myself. But you uh, seem <laughs> to be using
2: it's because I'm care. in front of a computer all day. <laughs> <laughs> it's because I have. i not. This is the first time I don't have anything strapped to me. It's, um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I, can should, feel I should maybe that, rephrase that. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 today Vivian
1: Claw unstrapped.
2: Unstrapped. Yeah. Um, but it does make people think that I'm mm-hmm. approachable as opposed to this apparently ferocious reputation.
1: Say a lot of tweets are very
2: Thank you. Yeah, yes, there no, they are. You you've got a,
1: quite a gang of followers as well. I mean, are, do, you, do you have uh, any urge to go into new no. uh, sandbox? No way, no, no help, never. No. 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 You no. want to sell your scripts? Um, go up. So, yeah. You yeah. want to know how to get an agent? Maybe. I have. Chagrin's always looking. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> <laughs> be good. Okay. Well, thank you very much uh, for, for having us here at your seem to be moved offices of Richard uh, Stone, uh, Vivian Law, very much Vivian. <laughs> thank you. And uh, Thank you Tony as well. Thank, uh, you. And, um, it's thank you.
2: pleasure as
1: well. and a delight. Jolly <laughs> good.